properties versus the people to talk to. Find someone now with a hyperlink. If you think you may be depressed or struggling in another way, don't ignore it or brush it aside. Take yourself and your feelings seriously and reach out to someone. It may not feel like it, but you have options. There are people available to listen to you and ways to move forward. Your fellow Redditors care about you, and there are people here who want to help. Wow. And then there's like links, like if you think this is a, a error, and I click on it, and it says, I said, report this message. I clicked on that link, and it said, uh, 404, link not available. <laughs> oh, there's no help for you. There's no help. <laughs> I'm still Ricky B. Welcome to the Stateside Spurs podcast. Here we are. Uh, we were just talking about it's the hope that kills you. And here we are. You know, just miserable. You know, 24, 24 hours, 36 hours after the defeat to, or basically it felt like a defeat to Newcastle. Uh, we've dropped four points to Newcastle this, this year, Austin. How do you feel about that? Why do you say I'm miserable? I'm not miserable. I mean, your camera just popped up and it's now frozen say, again. Austin and your face was the most looks positive. Miserable. Austin well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm miserable listening to you describe my emotions for me. Like, it uh, was a tough match. It was a tough match. I'm not miserable, though. Um, I could be happier. I could be happier. Okay. It's very optimistic. Chris, how are you feeling um, after that display on Sunday? I was miserable. <laughs> like Austin yes, was was trying to stay positive. I was miserable. I was absolutely just like, this is the end of the world. Uh, this is awful. We're we're drawing Newcastle. It wasn't, and it wasn't even the way. Or actually, that's what it was. It was the way in which we got to that draw, not the draw itself. I guess. Yeah. Does that sound right? Well, what 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 about that, Chris? What why 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 it's, why why do you feel that way? It was dropped points. I, this was this was two dropped points, two more dropped points. That means we've dropped 13 points from winning positions over the course of the season. We're at 49 points right now. Imagine where we'd be if we had 13 more points than where we so are right now. That stat's actually even worse than you are mentioning. No, no, it's Chris. much it's, worse. It's, it's, I'm, I'm no, 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 no. It's, it's not just 13. Top. It's not just 13 dropped points. Those 13 points are dropped in the last 15 minutes of matches. The full stat that you're referring to is we've dropped 13 points from from winning positions in the last 15 minutes of matches. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's worse. That's just the glaze, like the, the top layer. And that just to, that's a game we should have been able to hold on to win, I think. And just to lose it in that man or not lose it. I, it wasn't a loss. And I have to kind of grate that out of my head to draw it in that fashion is just fucking infuriating. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as Kane hit the post, you knew, you knew it was going to happen, right? Yeah. It was just like, oh, the, here we go again. They're going to – this is going to happen. There's yeah, going to be a collapse I mean, here. But they hit the post a lot too. I, I don't want to act that they got away with one. Like they yeah. didn't, I don't okay. think they got They, they had 22 away. shots. Yeah, they, they, they did. 22 shots inside we, of the 18. We got away with it. I think we – at the end of the day, like we, we didn't deserve to win we that game. We stole a point from Newcastle. Yeah. That's why yeah. it's so infuriating. 
So what 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 about it? Let's, let's talk about this lineup, right? This lineup comes out and it's uh, does it pretty much the exact lineup that we threw on against Villa, right? Is there any changes? No, Sun's on the bench. Yeah. So Austin, how did you feel about this? Was there one change? Chris. No. Okay. Uh, Austin, how did you feel with the lineup when it came out? Um, seeing I, Sun was back. No Toby. No Aria. Um, Bale, Sun, Delhi. Lamella all on the bench. What are your thoughts? I wasn't surprised that Sun started on the bench. I mean, he's just coming back from a little hamstring tweak. I was surprised we started with two up front again. But it worked against Villa. I mean, you can see the rash. I mean, you can see the logic, right? I mean, if it worked against Villa, it should work against Newcastle. Um, I was surprised to see it. I thought maybe we would see something a bit more attacking as I expected to have more of the ball. It turns out Jose was kind of right because we didn't have as much of the ball as we thought we were going to have. But the back line, I was happy to see the back line return. I was happy to see the midfield returned. Um, so, I mean, it it wasn't what I predicted, but I can definitely understand the logic in the, in the starting lineup. Uh, Austin, is that your preferred back four moving forward? So the way you ask that question is, it makes me feel like in the next nine games, is that who I'd start? And I'd say yes, with the caveat, maybe not in the League Cup final. But yes, that's my preferred back line. I don't think it's our best back line. I think it's my preferred back line because I want some group of players to gel and get a chance to play together. And it might as well be that young back line because, correct me if I'm wrong, everyone in that back line was 24 years old or younger. I think Sanchez was the oldest player in that yeah. back line. Sanchez is um, 24, Rodon's 23. I would rather Rodons, yeah. I would rather ride or die with those four players than to put Dyer or Davies or Doherty or any of those other players except for maybe Toby, which that's a whole different topic I'm sure we'll get to. I'd rather ride or die with the youngsters and ride the highs of them with how great they played against Villa and ride the lows of, you know, they made some mistakes against Newcastle. I would rather that and have them improve than um, than continue with the same Pochettino era players that have given us the same results. So, yeah, I mean, that's who I would play in all the league games. Again, League Cup final, maybe we try something weird to surprise City because the only way we beat City in that is is throwing a curveball at them, but. Uh, Chris, same same feelings for you. That back four, that's what you want to see for the next uh, eight games in the league. If we didn't have the league cup, I would say yes. If we didn't have, like, I, I don't want to go through the next few games where Rodan and Sanchez are building this partnership, and then we throw them out for the league cup to give Toby a random start after he hasn't played or started a game in six weeks. Like, I feel like that's basically just setting him up for failure. Um, this whole issue and the fact that we're discussing this with eight games left in the season, that our only center back option or our only successful center back pairing is a 23-year-old Rodon who we bought from the championship. And Davinson Sanchez just kind of nails home the point that center back is a glaringly obvious issue for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Um, what what do you guys think uh, about playing Tanganga next to Roden and then Ra right back? I I don't care where Tanganga plays; he just needs to play. I, I'm just saying yeah. he's a he's a center back by like 
he's he's Philly yes and no. he's a natural he, center back. He came up I as think, a center back. I think he did, but I think he also at the youth levels, right? You play across the back line a lot of times, right? You, you, youth levels that you are much more fluid in position. I think he's played plenty out, out wide as well. And you uh, see it a lot not, with. Hold on, hold on, that's not what I'm asking. He he was brought up to play a center back on the senior team, and now he's still. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, heard, I remember hearing Wendy say that he could, that he, he was brought up to play center back and or right back. That he was yeah. it actually was a player that was brought into the squad so primarily because Pochettino loved his flexibility of he can play center back, right back, or left back. I think it was his versatility in the back line that actually was one of his biggest. If I remember correctly, I remember Wendy speaking about that a couple of years ago, that Tanganga yeah. was one to look out for because he could play on either side or centrally. Yeah, you kind of have to remember just a, that he's only six foot, which for a Premier League center back is kind of short. Um, he's a big guy. Like he's very low center gallery, very strong. Um, he's pretty fast for a center back and he does get forward, but a lot of his skill set lends itself to playing as an outside back. And I will say he has a great leap on him because he wins a lot of headers. He yeah, wins he more aerial duels than, than Dominson Science just does. I mean, he can get That's up. not saying much. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> uh, but but I will say that there is something out there for you. There, there is uh, multiple examples, the most famous of which in the modern game in the past 10, 15 years, Sergio Ramos, of someone starting as a fullback to get into the side and transitioning to a world-class center back. Um, you know, Ramos, when I started watching soccer, Ramos was a right back, both yeah, at Real Madrid right and at Spain. And he was a great right back. And now he's known as been one of the best center backs for the past eight, ten years. Right. Um, and he's not a big guy. Ramos is not a huge guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to be big to play a position if you have a good leap and you have good positioning. I think I think Tanganga is going to stay at fullback for a little while. Until he has a spot in center back, but I, to your point, Colin. I mean, what do we not play, play? What do we not play him at center back for? That's the thing. Because like, he's because he's better than our other two options at right back. I think, I, I think I honestly, I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he had a good game on Sunday. He I doesn't I have a Sunday, bad game. I think Sunday <laughs> was the probably. worst game he's played in his Spurs shirt at the senior level, and it was average and not sub average. Yeah, he was so, average. He just wasn't great. I mean, think that of whole back, the whole back line, Roden was the best defender for me on Sunday. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. Regulon was great at the, good the attacking, but he lost defensively. Regulon got beat uh, for pace a few times. I wasn't used to seeing that. And Tanganga had miscommunication. If the equalizer, if, if their second goal happens and it's Darty playing right back, we're slating Darty for not getting out to cover that cross quicker. We're slating him. I mean, go back and watch it. So we have to, we have to be fair in our criticism that. Okay, if we're gonna slag off Doherty for not getting out and cutting like cutting off the angle for a cross. True. To be fair like, though, Newcastle yeah. did that multiple times where they doubled up on that side, where Regulon would would play the winger and they'd cut it back to a wide open fullback who had days to cross because we didn't have anyone covering for him and doubling up with him. Well, Regulon got Regulon got doubled up multiple times. The it's other, the other Darty though. Like it, yeah, the, the other thing about comparing him to Darty is you have to also have to remember Darty is 29 and has been playing in the Premier League for a while. Tanganga is oh, was this I, his second. Uh, I'm not I mean, saying, but right, I, I, I get the cross. The cross came from Regulon's side, right? Not Tanganga's side. No, it came from Tanganga's side. And no, then... it came from Regulon's side because Tanganga and Sanchez were the two that got beaten at the far post. Came from Promise you. And then they, they headed it back across the goal. 
Okay, Sanchez. Sanchez got drawn to the center of the goal. Austin, I, I, I'm I'm not gonna argue with you. I just I just watched it. It came from Tanganga side. They were attacking down the right side and they crossed it over, right? No, attacking down our our right, their left. Yeah, our right would make it Tanganga side. Am I thinking of the? Am I thinking of the? The. I don't know. And my point is, I just want to make sure that like I think maybe we have a chance to see what Tanganga can do as a center back, and then play Aria as a right back. Is Aria better than Sanchez? Is he is he less he's I mean I think he like makes less mistakes. He'll make that one big mistake, right? That penalty decision every six appearances or seven appearances. But Sanchez is making the mistakes that Dyer were making and we were slating him for. He can't have a good game against Villa, right? And then have this type of performance against Newcastle and we just we we can't keep going it's back and forth. It's like the Jose in, Jose out crowd, right? Also, we have to make a decision on Sanchez. Yes, he is young, but he is 24. He's had enough time, enough appearances. He's had over 50 well, appearances for the club. Well, he was yeah, his purchase in 2017. It, it's not about mistakes for me. I think the more I've watched Sanchez, it's clear what his strengths are and his weaknesses are. His strengths are, if you're dribbling at him, he loves it. He loves someone dribbling at him all day because he loves to try to go win at a ground duel. He loves to try to body you off the ball, win a tackle. He hates when the ball is in the air. Think about Ilkay Gundogan's goal where he fell on his face. That was a long ball over the top. He lost the ball in the air, then it bounces, and he completely misplays two different bounces and lets a tiny Ilkay Gundogan win that against them. How many times did did, did uh? Did uh, Dwight was it Dwight Gale? Is that his name? Dwight, yeah, it was Dwight yeah. Gale. Dwight Gale is like five foot nine. He's, <laughs> he's 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 not a big guy. He would literally back him off the ball and receive a long ball at his feet. You cannot allow, allow as a center back for a top six club for a little center forward to do that to you. He hates when the ball is in the air. So it's not that to me. And, and go back and think about the West uh, West Ham game. He didn't know what to do with that low cross coming across. He doesn't play the ball in the air well. And I don't know why that is. I didn't play soccer at a competitive level, so I can't say. But that, that is his glaring weakness. And so some teams who play the ball long really target him. They're just like, launch the ball at Sanchez. We have a good chance of winning the ball. <laughs> and so and so, so against in certain games, he plays great because he's in lots of ground duels where it's, it's him running for pace, making slide tackles, botting people off the ball. He looks great. But when we play teams like Newcastle who just launch the ball at him, he's lost. Yeah. And I don't think he makes mental mistakes. I think that's just a weakness in his game that other coaches haven't fixed. And so maybe if you put Tanganga in his place, you have two center backs and Rodin Tanganga who go to look to win the ball in the air, and maybe that helps us. I don't know. I just want Tanganga on the side. I don't yeah. care if he plays Tanganga right back or center back. Play, I just want basically. him to play. Yeah. But to your point, uh, Colin, from what you were saying, as far as, you know, you have to – I get what you're saying as far as being – I guess stable across the back line in your criticisms of each player. Like you can't let Tanganga get a pass on making a mistake, but at the same time, slate Darty for making the same mistake. I get that. But the problem with that is everyone along our back line, with the exception of probably Regulon has had such a, I mean, name one, one defensive player outside of Regulon who's had a good year overall. They've or a consistent run of starts. Or they've, a consistent run of starts. Been, there's not one consistently yeah, so. good or bad center back. Earlier this season, we were talking about how Dyer was reborn as a great center back. Oh, now, God, please don't replay the podcast from There's September. no way I would start Eric Dyer right now. He's just that bad. And, and, I mean, I get what you're saying as far as, oh, you have to 
but there's some player at this point we're now playing a under 20 a u23 back line and we're we now we know we're going to have those mistakes whereas with a sergio or with a surge with doherty with dyer those guys are old enough that i do not expect these mistakes they should be better than this they should be better than Rodon. They should be better than Sanchez. They should be better. Tanganga should have no chance at starting it right back with Arie and Doherty in front of him, who are both internationals for their national. Like, there's no way he should be starting, but he has to because he's playing better than they are. And yes, he's going to make mistakes. And I would rather have him make those mistakes as a young player learning to play than deal with a 29-year-old right back who can't stay in position, can't stop across. I would rather have another guy learning to do that now than deal with watching Doherty play every time and just screw the whole thing up. It's about the type of mistakes too, right? Like when Regulon, Regulon probably was not expecting whoever that was out wide for Newcastle to have as much pace as he did. Oh, they targeted him. They they went well, right. Regulon got caught high up the pitch yeah. and 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 didn't have the overwhelming pace in comparison to the Newcastle winger to make it up, and so he got beat a few times. That's a learning experience for him, right? Tanganga has honestly never had a bad game in his, uh, when he started. Last game was probably, his, was probably his worst game for us, and it was average. It was what you would expect from a 21, 22-year-old right back playing out of position, right? But I would rather him make, those, make some positional mistakes or make some mistakes out of positivity, like being too positive and too, too confident in his abilities and learning from them. Then the mistakes we were seeing from Dyer and Doherty and Davies, where they're just so timid, backing off the ball and not and, and looking indecisive, when they are senior players, they're experienced players. There's no excuse to be that timid, right? I said this, uh, I've said this multiple times throughout the season. Like our defenders that we were playing just are backing off the ball. They don't go to win the ball. They're looking to not make mistakes instead of going to win the ball. I'd rather our, uh, Joe Roden didn't win every duel he went after, but no. if he if he lost the duel. The ball was at least a draw, and it didn't end up in a in a direct opportunity for the for the opposition. Yeah. yeah. He, by by challenging for it forcefully, he either gave a foul away, which means it's a free kick in a position up the pitch, or it was a loose ball that had to be collected by somebody. Whereas Dyer and and even Toby and other players back off and just let the opposition have it. I'd rather you make a mistake. Like when I was coached in other sports, it was. I'm fine with you making an error if it's out of hustle, but making mental errors or not knowing what to do with the ball when it comes to you is unacceptable. And that's how our back line have been playing. So if, if we have a young back line that makes mistakes because they're being too ambitious, I'm okay with that. I can accept it. I can accept the logic of it. Yeah. And if it's you're easier for me as a fan. Line, if you're going to have a back line, you got to ride or die with the back line and ride or die with the mistakes that you know they're going to make because they're, they're going to make mistakes. But when you bring in senior players who are 25, 26, 27 years old, who've been in the side over 50 matches, Davinson Sanchez, there's, he shouldn't be making these mistakes. I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But, uh, let's move, let's yeah. move on from our defense. I mean, we spent about 20 minutes, or about 15 minutes, talking about how shit <laughs> I could talk about is. that all day. <laughs> um, and surprisingly enough, we're still, I think, a top five defense in the league somehow. Um, 41 yeah. goals given up. That just, I think, is a testament to uh, how, sports, how well right? we played early on in the season, not how well we played recently. Um, but 
you just never know. I mean, that's the one thing about the Spurs team is we were set up to go to fourth place um, until West Ham won today, right, Austin? So what were your expectations, what were your feelings going into this match? We didn't do a preview pod. Were you feeling good heading into the match on Sunday? No, because results are going our way, and Chris has conditioned me this year to realize that whenever <laughs> results are going our way, that means that we expect the worst. Yeah. Um, Sorry. And, 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 you know, for me it was I was expecting us to score goals, and we scored two and could have scored more. I was not expecting us to give away as much possession, but I think that's because we were being ambitious. And we were playing attack. I, I think we were attempting to play attacking football. You know, we played a midfield three with Gio and Domblé, and we left lots of space where Hoybier was basically the only person shielding that back, that young back line. And Regulon was getting really high up the pitch. And we trusted our defenders to win one-on-one duels. And we knew that, okay, they might get some shots up, but we're going to, we're going to hold out. And you know, the game plan almost worked because we had multiple fast break opportunities son and lamella both had two opportunities each to set up tap in goals um we didn't play amazing i think it was the b minus performance overall uh geo is not perfectly informed but i was expecting us to play about the way we did i did not expect newcastle to come out and play a blinder and so for me the reason why at the beginning of this pod i said i wasn't miserable because we gave the performance I expected us to give. It wasn't perfect. It was a little sloppy, but it had more passion in it than the Arsenal game or some other matches, right? Where everyone on that pitch had effort and energy. We just were sloppy with the ball. We weren't exactly clinical. But it, if Newcastle didn't come out and play at a fucking 110% the way they did, we probably win that game. Uh, it's probably enough because they're so bad. But this is probably the best game they've played in like four months. Chris, how so much, we caught how much, them on a good day. Chris, how much of that can be attested to just how unstable this first squad is, and how or how good Newcastle is? Because we can say that about a lot of teams that we played this year. We made a lot of teams look good that haven't been good elsewhere. Well, we, it's it's kind of like that last game when we saw this lineup in the the previous game. We knew that there would be some shakiness to it because there was an obvious shuffle. There was obvi- there was an obvious att- intent by Mourinho to send a message to certain players of I'll format my team around whatever I need to to do to make this work. Um, and, and we were, we were sloppy because this team, that, that group of 11 hasn't played as much together as, as others would have. Well, and Newcastle uh, pressed the shit out of us. Yeah. They were high on press. Long. You would hope that with Ndombele and Gio in there, those guys are both very good at dealing with the press. And they showed that at times, that they would be able to break through and 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 deal very well with the press. But to your Austin's point, Gio's not 100% back in form yet. Um, Ndombele is – he was Ndombele. Um, the thing that gets me about this game is I – and I, I don't know how you guys felt about this, but at halftime, I think the first sub we made was Vinicius coming off. To bring on Sonny. And I was not particularly happy with that. That was when my question started to pop up, I guess. So so let's let's touch on the sub. Let's talk a little bit more. What what were you upset about there, Chris? What what about the institution? I really felt like uh, like number one, I felt like that lineup was actually they were getting a job done and I was pretty happy with what they were doing. I also think Vinicius does number one, he deserves the opportunity. Um, the way he's been playing for us this season and trying to work in and get those opportunities without complaint, without, you know, like he's sitting behind 
probably the best striker in the world at this point. And he's not complaining. He's just taking his opportunities and he's doing well with them. He's the highest scoring backup striker we've had in what a decade. Um, and his holdup play during that game, his ability to back into that, uh, to get into that back line, take long passes, bring them down, and then lay them off to other players and bring them into the game was helping. Um, so I, I didn't think he deserved to come off. And I didn't think, um, like, I, I, I love Sun. I love having Sun come on. I love having Sun start. But Sun has these runs of form where he's just off. And he he tries too hard to bring it back in, to rein it in and make himself big again. And when he does it, he throws everybody else off because he's doing too much. And that's what I feel he was trying to do. I get the effort. I get the want to be part of it. But I don't think Vinicius deserved to come off. I don't particularly think Sun deserved to come on. I know we were going to bring him on one way or the other. It's human, Sun. But it just it seemed like at that point particular in a moment that was the wrong sub to make for me i also go ahead you want to say something with the sub uh your mic's muted <laughs> i was gonna say that the other thing that vinicius does is that he takes a lot of the pressing away from harry kane and saves kane's legs because he presses like a bat out of hell um he really if you, if you watch him carefully even though he's a big dude he never stops running and even without the ball. And so that helps Kane drop deeper, and that helps Kane save his legs where he doesn't have to do all that pressing from the front. Um, and in the first half, Kane scored a couple of those goals. Uh, the two goals he scored, you know, he he dropped deep to help create them. And the, the goal that he, he almost had where he hit the post, you know, Kane started that by heading it clear off the line, right? Like, it, Kane is scoring a lot of goals as you're starting from deep. And so Vinicius allows him, allows the team to have that structure with Kane deeper. Um, I agree with Chris that I did not expect, expect Sun to come on halftime. I think that screams of Jose feeling that the game was, was under control. And so we could allow Sun to come on for a half. I would have expected Gio to come off at half. Yeah. I think given, all given think he was coming yeah. back from his coming back from injury and being blood, you know, kind of, transitioned in i would have expected maybe sissoko to come on for geo us to play more of a defensive midfield and push and forward um or if you wanted to keep an attacking verve just bring on one argentine for another and bring lamella on it changed our shape at a time when we so, were probably playing yeah, well so, and um, that was what was tough for me here that's the thing eventually i'm trying to get to that we changed our shape at halftime right we yeah. we, we went from a 442 to a, a 4-2-3-1 three, three, and I think that I mean I think the Sun for Vinicius sub would have been fine if you play if you continue playing the four four two because you found a lot of freedom in between those center backs. You look at Kane's goal um, from Ndombele. Oh yeah, Ndombele is they're essentially playing like how you play in FIFA, right? You just hit the through ball, you send them through, and so you're sending both of your forwards, and then their center backs are split, and then he can pick his pass. And so I, I think we saw that in the, the end of the second half, those opportunities happening. And then we change the formation. That's what confuses me. Like Sonny yep. can play next to Kane, and if anything, he's he's faster than Carlos. So well, you would have in that in that situation, you have Kane playing the Vinicius role of holding the ball up and pressing the back line, and Son making the runs. Yeah, but that's fine. That that would have been fine. That's what I kind of expected, 
honestly, but we definitely changed our shape. And to Chris's point, that I did start worrying in the beginning of the second half when we the first five minutes we saw us play and Sun was out wide and it looked like we had moved to a four two three one and Newcastle came out firing and in, in taking the front foot. I was immediately worried at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and then so another thing that I thought was funny, um, and briefly touch on this, is is Lucas has been playing great in that 10 role. Um, but then when, was it, yeah, when Sun comes on, he goes to the left, and Lucas stays on the right, and they put Lo Celso in the middle. Did you notice that? Like, why didn't Lucas yeah. play the, the 10 role? He was doing, he's been doing great in the 10 role. He said the best form. It was just again. the change of formation all in yeah. general, right? We were playing a 1-2 up front, and... They felt like because Sun needs to be in his primary position on the left, that means we need balance, and so, Sun, so Lucas has to go to the right. Well, if we would have put Sun up front with Kane, we could have kept our formations. Yeah, it again belabors the question of there were a lot of questionable game yeah. management. Yeah, I just I don't well, I then we brought Lamella on for Lucas, right? Yeah. And then we, we, we kept Gio on way too late. I and mean, you made a comment about subbing at 45 minutes. I think um, I, I was going to say 60 minutes. but yeah, leaving, 60 is leaving, as far leaving, as any of us expected. Leaving him on for 85 minutes, it's just like, what, I don't know what Mourinho's doing. And I think now, he has a week <laughs> to get ready. For, maybe, and maybe it's that he's trying to play his legs into he's fitness had, he, and he expected he, us to, to hold he had, out. But. He had two weeks to get him ready for this game. Well, no, no, it's not just that. It's that you need game minutes, right? Like that's what they always say is you need game minutes to get your legs like you need game action to get right. back into form, schedule, but schedule, I don't know. schedule a scrimmage with the U23s. I don't care what you have to do. Like, yeah, do I mean, I definitely agree. Geo, Geo looked gassed at like 50 minutes, so he wasn't helping the team. It's another reason why. Like, I get what he's. One of the reasons that he's probably leaving Geo on is your your like for like subs for Geo if you're going to take him off and, and leave somebody in that position or who can do the same role as he can are Deli Ali and Harry Winks, who are on the bench. And I shout. think a big part of why we're seeing this lineup, and the reason we're seeing is that he's sending a message to those players uh, in particular that this is it for you. You're, yeah, you're not but, going to be in the team. But the role that Gio was playing in the first half, especially in the second half, Lamella could have played that role. You could have brought Lamella on for Geo at 50 oh, minutes. No. I'm not arguing. I still question the substitution and the way that it was done because I think the 4-4-2 was working. And I think we had figured out a way to do it. And I think uh, it was scrappy, but it was scrappy in the last game. It was scrappy in this one, but it was working. So I was happy with that. Then the substitutions come in, changes the formation like we talked about. And then all of a sudden the game is in question um, or back in question because we had had to fight back to get something from it to get back into uh into it after harry kane's two goals but yeah the change of formation hurt us for sure do, yes do, hurt, either, this, yeah. do either of you think that Mourinho has any idea like what's like what his best formation or best he has no idea at this point? I, mean, I feel like he has no idea like he's still guessing i think he did job. i think he has an idea I, I but i mean he has an idea but then you also look at the other issues that he has is the players themselves, which yeah, you have a you can build some great formations here, but when you go back into training and you realize like wow, I can't play Delhi because he's not gonna give a shit if I play him. 
I can't I can't play Harry Winks because he's not going to give a shit. So there goes two midfielders that I needed that would have helped make the lineup. Um, my other players are, I mean, my one of my primary wingers is actually playing better as a 10. Gio's been out for three months. Um, like there's so many players who are having the whole back line is a wreck. I think he knows so, what his be- what this team's best formation is. I just don't think we've ever had and there it was in a formation, but structure is, but I don't think we've ever had the players available in end form to use it. And then he and then situations have caused him to to derail off that path and not to stick to it. But it's clear when when they're available that he plays three attackers, three central midfielders, and a back four. That's yeah. that's what he does. Now, whether it's a diamond, a midfield four diamond, whether it's a four three three, whatever you want to call it, what he what he sees in this squad is three central midfielders, one of which does defensive work and the other two trade off, and then three attackers, whether they're wide where it's Sun Kane and Bale, or they're narrow where it's Kane, Vinicius, or Kane, Sun, and Lucas. He he likes to have three attackers forward and three central midfielders with a back four where at least one of the fullbacks gets forward. And I think that's why he's playing the team he is now because Lucas is in form. He's like, I got to ride Lucas while I have him. And he's just running through the middle of defenses like a motherfucker right now. So let's, let's ride, let's ride the horse. That's, that's, that's running well. But I think he's still trying to figure out to your point, Colin, what the best way to fit like what the 15 available players that aren't shit and, and actually give a shit how to fit them into some sort of form of four three three. I think we ran into this same problem. It's very much the same problem that um, Pochettino had in that yeah. first probably year and a half when all of a sudden halfway through the season, he couldn't use Kabul and he couldn't use Lennon and he couldn't use, um, there was somebody out of Bayor. That's when Adebayor got. Oh no, no, no. Let's, let's be let's be fair. It's not that he couldn't use them. It's that by September he had relegated them to the to the. Yeah, that's what I mean. Teams. Like he'd already sent them to the youth stages, and it was and, like. Oh, and I, that's I, the, but that's the difference between Pochettino and Mourinho. Mourinho's playing games though. Like Pochettino is just very clear. I mean, Mourinho made a comment in his pr- his press conference about Alderweireld and RA not showing not showing uh, late. Later on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So what? Why do you do that, Austin? Go ahead. Well, okay. So he he does play games. I have no idea about the Alderweireld thing. No idea about that. But they, Pochettino also did one of the most annoying things that I've ever seen any coach do, and he did it for five years. Where we would come out and we'd play piss poor, like we didn't give a shit, and he'd say, "This is football." And that's his whole answer for everything. No, it's not football. That's not football. There's a reason why we come out against West Ham when they're in relegation tier and we're in a title chase and we lose one deal with zero thoughts on target. Like, there's a reason for that, Pochettino. You're coming out and saying that because that's the way you know how to protect the players, and that's fine. But, like, he did that for five years where he basically gave the same answer no matter what the result was. And, like, so, like, like, there is that, too. That's playing games, too. It's just a different way of playing games, right? Like, he... There's a bunch of players in this team that probably stagnated because they never got criticism the way they needed Austin, to get. Austin, I'm going to reel you back real quick. But, but. Oh, no, hold on. I'm not even talking about, like, I'm just talking about the way he manages players. But that's a way that Pochettino manages players. And you were saying that that, that Jose plays games. A, he's, not a, he's not playing a game with the players. 
He's just not telling. He's not giving the answer to the media that you guys that, that we wanted as supporters. I think that Jose uh, that Jose criticizes players in the media the same way he does in training, and I think Pochettino probably didn't criticize players the same way he didn't criticize them in the media. I think they both are opposite ends of the spectrum, is what I'm trying to say. And that's a lot of speculation. It is, it is, it is, it is, but we've also, but we've also heard a lot from the players that Jose was like their best friend, or sorry, that Pochettino was like the best friend, right? He was more of a friend and a dad than he was like a boss. We've heard that directly from players. And I think a lot of these players that are taking it personally probably were so close to Poch because think of all the players that we've heard from Ollie Gold and others, Winks, Deli, Dyer. These players that have taken it personally, they've been they've been tossed aside, so to speak. Uh, Dyer's had they never got thousands. criticized. Dyer's had the most chances of anyone on this team. Well, he I did mean, have, and he has he no know reason that coming to into this. Part, Mourinho was very high on Dyer, like, and but he'd never been in a locker room with him. So once but you get in the locker I room, I don't know why he your... plays games like the Toby Alderweireld thing coming back on Thursday as opposed to when I don't. I have no clue about that. And that like, is just strange. And it's as also it. fishy because they were out with illness before the international break. They both went and played three games for illness. their country, and then they were out for illness again. And before the illness, we were we were told that Alderweireld couldn't play two games in a week. Yeah, he played three games in a week and a half for, for Belgium, some of which were high up the pitch. Uh, playing high lines where he had to run he had to run against fast uh, opposition so yes the older wild stuff is very strange i have no answer for that i don't mind him criticizing players that deserve criticism oh I, don't, um, I mean i don't mind either if, if i don't understand that's weird toby all the wild thing i'm just saying i i miss the fact that if you're like if, if someone's on your shit list just say they're on the shit list like like pochettino I remember I put him in the training squad, like the under 23s, right? Okay, so let me ask you a question then, because he basically did that to Delhi this season, and he got multiple people, <laughs> multiple people, including someone on this podcast, was lambasting Mourinho for never starting Delhi Alley. He didn't though, put he didn't put him to the under 23s. Okay, so he has to make that strong of a signal of putting one of your highest paid people on the under 23. I mean, if you're not going to use them, you need to sell them. Or, or I think the reason why people started getting really, I've always wanted, we've we've both wanted to see Delhi. But I think the reason people got really like loud about that situation was because we thought what we were lacking was exactly what Delhi is, and if he is playing in the Delhi form of four years ago. So we were thinking, okay, this is what we're missing. We have this player that would fill that void. Well, is it also we possible? good form. No one was like, no one, not not very many people were like, bring Delhi, bring Delhi back. Like we were like, hell yeah, top of the league. <laughs> I mean, who no are the was... players that we mentioned at Pochettino Outcast though? Lenin, Kabul, and Roar. Do any did Lennon, any of those players Kabul. at the time have a yeah. ton of uh, market value on them? Absolutely you also have to think not. that there's financial oh, leverages. No. Right? That's, Daniel that's Levy's like, you are not putting Delhi Alley in the reserves. No, he's 24 years about, old and he's going to ruin yeah. his resale value. about Toby and Serge. Like, there's no reason Toby and Serge shouldn't be on the bench. Well, we, well you were just talking about Delhi. I get it. Well, well yeah, yeah. With the Toby and Serge I, I, thing. You brought Delhi up from earlier on the season. I'm saying the reason why I got loud is because of the, what our team was, the performance. Well, that's true. That's true. So, anyways. Yeah. Serge and Toby not being on the bench, that, that is a strange one. That is a strange one. And that makes me think that there's something going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that's so, what I was going to say. It's, Chris, let me, let me ask you this. Let's kind of move on to, like, what we are going to have to do in this transfer window coming up. Because now it's more than just the Pochettino players. It's also – well, I guess they're both Pochettino players. But it's it's growing. The, the list is growing. It's now up to – 
a center back, a right back, um, two center backs. So, I mean, we're going to have to get two center backs this season, in this offseason. Maybe not I, two. World Star Yeah, I was like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's one. But okay. Kilgoyne, you're going. No, what's so, your... so we're missing five or six players that we're selling for sure. First team players that we wow. thought we should depend on. I selling say, for sure, right? Air yeah. quotes. It's Daniel Levy after all. And I think that's probably the, the biggest thing to remember about this whole transfer market thing is, number one, the market uh, for players that we're in right now because all teams are struggling without the revenue from fans being in stadiums, obviously. Um, then the other part is with Spurs, like I get it. Daniel Levy is starting to to make the step up to where he is willing to showing that he's willing to spend a little money. Um, it's how we got Mourinho here. It's how we got Ndombele. Um, so he's showing, I, I, I will throw out this cash. Even Gio cost a pretty penny. He was what, like 35, something like that. Um, so we are seeing that he will spend this money. I do. I personally expect, and I've seen a lot of the the in the no accounts basically saying there's going to be some sales, including one or two that are going to be surprising. Um, but yeah, we we're this was always going to be a big project for Mourinho, and I think there were there are some players in the team that he was thinking I can depend on that now he knows he can't, and I think there is also a battle, kind of an inner turmoil thing between Mourinho and probably the Spurs organization by that. I mean, Daniel Levy, as far as players that Levy doesn't want to get rid of because they could have better value later on down the line, or they could have better market marketing value like Deli Ali. Um, it was pretty open in January that Mourinho was like, if Deli leaves, that's fine. I don't, he can go. And Levy wanted to keep him. This wasn't it, very much sounded like Mourinho was very happy to see Delhi head out the door. He was fine with it. And Levy was like, no, we kind of need this guy. I want him here and I want to see if something happens. Um, so, I, and I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. There's just, it's not so cut and dry as Mourinho can just say, let's go get this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy, and we'll sell these players. And that's how we'll fund it. And okay, transfer window sorted. It's very much a... I want to sell this guy. And Levy says, no, I don't want to sell him. I want to keep him. You have to figure something out. Well, what about that guy? I want to keep him too. So I like him. And, yeah. and that's what we're dealing with. I just wonder if that's, if that will, like how long that will be able to last. There's going to be fans of the stands next well, year. We, and if we, we say that, but I mean, that's what's been going on for, this is, that's exactly what Pochettino was dealing with. Yeah, I but mean, Mer, I think Levy has, like this man. The stands, but who are the fans going to be chanting out? They're not going to be saying Levy out. They're going to be saying Mourinho out. Yeah, Levy's got a man crush. Levy knows that the fans are going to turn on Mourinho more than that, more than him. Yeah. So Levy doesn't care about that. Yeah, it's, it's the the I, politics of our transfer policy are so up in the air because we're in the we're we're not a big spending club, but we're not a small spending club. We're right in the middle, and tr we're right in the middle and transitioning into big spending club. And I think once fans are in the stadium, especially particularly after this season or going into next season, probably depending on how it how it shapes out, I think you will see Levy turn into a, a bigger spender. But I think he would like to keep some of the current crop around 
for well, the so, marketability of them, I guess. Well, see, that's the thing, Chris, is that so many supporters, you, you, you're echoing something that is really important, that when we think of squad rotation and people are like, well, the squad needs a turnover, people just, a lot of supporters just want to think about incoming players, bringing new players in. And don't think about how e- how equally important it is getting players out of the club. And it's not just to sell players that have value so you can raise funds. It's that if a player is damaging the locker room, the training pitch, or not contributing on the pitch, and they're eating wages and have a depreciating value in the market, they're a net negative to the team. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. Right? And so and so there are players like Deli Alley who probably have the highest market value he's going to have in his careers right now unless he goes somewhere else and becomes a like Lionel Messi. Like his market value is is dropping by the year. And so having him in the squad and never playing him and possibly having him is not helping, at least not helping the training room, not helping the locker room, right? What's the point of having him in the squad when he could go have a better career somewhere else? It's better for him. And we can get more money. We can get money towards other players and free up a spot in the squad. And there's other players. There's other squad players in that as well. So being a big spending club, if you look at other clubs like Chelsea and United and City, they also sell players that aren't doing anything for them so they can make room for other players. Like those clubs also sell players as well. Real Madrid sold us a hell of a of a prospect at, at left back. We all think that Sergio Regulon has the potential to be a world-class left back. And Real Madrid sold him. Why? Because they didn't need him right then. They needed something else, so they needed to get rid of a high-value asset so they could bring something else in. Levy is what's ironic is that for years Levy had the Enoch and Levy had the uh, had the reputation of a selling club. We just sell our best players: Berbatov, Keane, uh, Bale, but and Modric. But now, in the past five years, we've turned into a club that just hoards anyone that has a moderate value because we're I, afraid to lose. Yeah, we're afraid I get what you're opportunity cost. That has a lot to do with transitioning between the two like a club has to learn how to like when um when man city came into all of their money there were a couple of years in there at the beginning of the man city oil money where they had tons of money and they were just blowing it on i would oh what's his name they brought that one brazilian kid that Oh, oh, I remember the first Rubinho. years of me watching soccer. Oh, That's yeah, they, they had Rubinho. a bloated squad. They spent a ton of money on Rubinho, and he was supposed to be the man that was going to bring them into the next level. They had uh, – uh, oh, they'd spent just tons of money, but they didn't know how to spend it. So they were just throwing it around. And so they were spending all this money, but they weren't getting anywhere. And it wasn't until they got the right manager that showed them – a manager and also you know the right personnel in their boardroom – that show them this is how you spend this money to build a team. Let's go get a manager who can build a team top down with a plan instead of just splashing it on whatever player is available like United does. Well, um, yeah, and look at when Reno failed at United, failed, quote unquote, at United. How many players in that squad were players that were forced upon him and he couldn't get rid of, like Alexis Sanchez and others, right? A lot of players that he didn't want to buy that 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 the that the the powers that be at United are like this is a great player for marketing. We're gonna put him in the squad. You can't get rid of him. Yeah. Right. And that's we're we're getting into that. Like we have to. We're getting Levy's into that territory to, here. Levy's gonna have to learn to go between the two. He can't 
have you can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, that's Colin, your Colin, your initial question was, what do we have to do in the window? And the three players top of probably my list and maybe Chris's list are all English players that were central to at least the 2018 World Cup team, if not also the 2016 Euros team, right? And that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow for Levy. That Deli Alley, Harry Winks, and Eric Dyer are top of the must sell list, and those are all English stars. Right. Well, two of them are. Harry Winks is a name. I wouldn't say he's a star. But in 2016 Euros and 2018 World Cup, Deli Ali and Dyer were stars. Right. And that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow from a financial standpoint of these guys are marketable athletes in the country. of or, like, It's hard to have English stars in the English Premier League. And you're telling me that I have to sell these guys because they've reached their their end of the rope of Spurs. That's going to be a tough pill for Levy to swallow. And if he, but if he doesn't sell them and he holds on to them, how are we going to be any better next year? Also, I'm pretty sure, judging on when we bought Delhi and what his peak value was at some point, I'm pretty sure Levy was thinking, I'm going to sell this kid one day for a hundred million. He's going to be a hundred million dollar oh, yeah. player. And now he, that you know the price tag on him is probably, I think we talked about it last time. It's probably like 35. If I can get 35 for him, I might take it. If I can get 50, in England, I'm be 50. Off. In England, yeah. it's 50. If I can get any of that, I'm taking it. And, and that's probably part of his problem. But I would imagine Mourinho is the one that's like, you need to sell him. He's not going to – he's already saying he's not going to do anything. I but, hate to speak about a human being this way, but he's in, in terms of Daniel Levy, he's a depreciating asset. Yes. But to get back to your point about what we need to do in the window, this coming window, in order to fix these issues, for me, the – Biggest priority, the highest priority, if we do absolutely nothing else, is one center back. It just has to, and honestly, I think it just has to be one and an outgoing center back because you're going to have to get rid of somebody. But I, I was thinking about this earlier, and if Lewis Dunk at Brighton and Hove Albion was four years younger, I would go buy him if I were Spurs. Chris, that's a great that's a great point that getting Premier League qual or Premier League experience, right? And I was kind of thinking that Colin's point of getting two center backs is actually valid. We need one. What you were about to say is we need a world class general center back. That's our primary need, right? And I think we all can agree that a a, a center back that walks into this team and takes control of the back line is our is our primary need. That's but right. I also want a younger Premier League experienced center back. Lewis Dunk is a little too old, but Jocko yeah. Anderson at Fulham, especially if Fulham somehow go down, is a must buy for me. And then if I, this is probably way less realistic, but Mason Holgate at Everton, I think at 23 years old, is a fantastic shout as well because it's important to bring players in that know the league already. But I, I think you've um, got your young, talented center back right now because you've got. But if we lose Dyer and Toby, but you've We're got short numbers. Yeah, if you if you do that, you've got Rodon. Rodon can play on the right hand side or the left hand side. That opens up whichever side you want to go get for a, another center back. Well, we need five um, center backs, right? Probably total. Probably. So if we yeah. lose Toby and Dyer, then we're left with Sanchez, Rodon, and Tanganga. So we we need two in that case. If how many of our center backs we sell, we need to replace. Yeah. Is, is what would, I'm thinking. I mean, I would go get two, but the top priority needs to be one of them has to walk into the team and be the captain of the team. Dominate of the back, back line. line. The very, like he has to be the leader of the back because that's what we're missing. Um, I know everybody loves Toby and they're all like, oh, but he's 31. He should be 
he should be running that back. He's not. He never was. He never has been. That's not what he does. He's not going to do that. Um, Rodon did a pretty good job of it in the last game uh, against Newcastle. He wasn't terrible at it. Sanchez is also another player who's never going to be the leader of the back line. Did you guys notice um, who was yelling at Sanchez on positioning on free kicks? Was that was that when? Um, oh it was Jaffet. Tangongo was the one yelling at Sanchez, push up, mark on your man. Tangongo was the one telling Sanchez where to go. Hey, I'll like, take that. No, and, and you know what? It's fine, but he's out of fullback. Like, to your point, Chris, you need someone in the center of the defense that's the general, right? We need that's, that. I talked and to we, I brought it up to you guys a couple of times now, and uh, we let go, for me, we let go of Jan Vertonghen a year too early. Uh, and I get it. He wanted that extra year. He wanted more than a year on his contract, and that was probably the sticking point, I think, as to why he really left and why he didn't sign a new deal. But I think if you if we had kept uh, Jan Vertonghen and, as much as I hate to say it, let Toby leave, um, you put in Reggie right next to – as a left back because now you don't – Jan Vertonghen doesn't have to babysit like he did with uh, with Rose and like he obviously does with Davies. Um and then you put like a more athletic Sanchez or a Dyer who both had great years when they were playing next to Vertonghen. Um, I think you probably that's how Jose made his other center backs stretch out for such long careers is he surrounded them with other strong defenders. Or and, and athleticism. John Terry was surrounded by athletes. And so yeah. So all he had to do is sit back and commit and tell them where to be and. Jan Vertonghen well, the, at this point didn't have competent center. It, it's pretty evident now he did not have as much competency around him as we'd hoped. As well, the, the, the documentary made it very evident that it was it was either or, right? That it was Vertonghen or Alderweireld, because they both were coming to the end of the contract. We weren't going to sign both, but we we're going to sign one. So, I mean, do you think we made the wrong decision? I think we then? made the wrong choice. I think. Yeah. I think uh, Jan could have stayed. I think Toby could have left. Um, that also, I think, could have played Jan into uh, to be know, fair to Levy being Spurs at, at at Spurs for a decade. Um, he was obviously the best defender we'd had over his time here uh, by far. Um, then he was also like it. It would have given him the opportunity to pass on that captainage, like the lineage that he was a part of, uh, being that you know Ledley King passed it off to Dawson, Dawson sat next to Vertonghen and passed it off to him. Vertonghen, yep. really, the next person that he that tried to pass it off to was Eric Dyer, who'd been playing center mid for four years. So To be fair to the powers that be, when we let Vertonghen leave on a free, our options at left back were pretty grim, to the point <laughs> to where Vertonghen had to play left back in one of his final yeah. years for us in a, in, a, in a game against Borussia Dortmund in Europe. Where he was probably one of his best, his last, his last like, man-of-the-match performance for us, I think, where he scored that goal. Because our, our, our options at left back were so grim. If we had known that we were bringing in this wonder kid from Real Madrid, maybe the decision would have been different. I think but, it's very I mean, different at that point. I mean, it's we had really we, <laughs> we don't we had we don't, Ben basically only Ben Davies at left back. Ben right? Davies so, and a shadow realmed Danny Rose, which again, I just want to take a, a reminder. Wait, where is Danny here. Rose? Danny Rose is still collecting a paycheck from Tottenham Hotspur for another Wait, couple but of weeks. Milan call? The Milan call? <laughs> uh, we need to preview this United game so we can get out of here. Um, big game on Sunday. 
Uh, it is. It's a huge game. This is big. This is enormous. Yeah, top four still in, still in, still in a contention because Chelsea decided to give up five goals to West Brom. But you're not going to talk about that, right, right, Colin? Well, they scored two goals, right? They lost five two to West Brom, so there's no sugarcoating that. <laughs> <laughs> Your argument about Chelsea was they couldn't score more than one goal. They scored two goals on a West Brom team that they also gave five goals up to. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm choosing to focus on the fact they gave up okay. five goals to a team. I get the five goals given up, but remember they were down to ten men after 29 minutes, and they were up up until that point. Christian Pulisic scores in 27th, and then they get a red I card. Watch, I didn't watch the game. True. Going down to 10 minutes is not an excuse for giving up five goals. Yeah, giving it's up... a landslide after that. They had no yeah. idea where to go. But they also well, they lost have... Thiago Silva, who's their most important player. So Here's their lineup. Okay, so you look at their lineup. Thiago Silva, their super experienced old elder center back, goes out, and their defense is left with Aspilicueta and Kurt Zuma. Yeah, you're going to score five goals. They you're, moved to back to a, five goals. The there. thing was, and we shouldn't talk about this, but they moved to a back four when Tiago Silva was sent off. They moved to a back four, and they lost all semblance of knowledge of how to play yeah, soccer. No idea how to play after that. Yeah. yeah. No clue. But anyways, it's a huge game, Colin. It's a huge game. Yes. On Sunday. Oh, how do you this get, is how do you, side, how do you get sidetracked so fast? No, I just have been aching to to call you out on the fact that Chelsea's defense is so amazing. They give up five goals to West Brom. I don't care if you're down to ten minutes. You don't give up five goals to West Brom, who's basically already relegated. I mean, Sam's got him alive. He's got him playing for something. Fat Sam, come on, Sam. So United, we uh we get to to revisit the six one thrashing we did at Old Trafford earlier in the season. I don't think we'll be seeing a six one thrashing. Absolutely um, on not. Sunday. Put a cheeky, put a cheeky fiber on it. <laughs> <laughs> that'll pay, that'll pay off really well, I'm sure. Um, so, what do we do for this game? Do we stick with this young, youthful team that gives energy, Chris, or do we uh, insert uh, some some of these big names back into the squad? Like, does Sun get a start here? I would absolutely minimize the changes for one reason, and it's Austin's reason, honestly. It's that the players who have been playing at Villa and Newcastle gave a shit. And what I don't want to see is us run out of lineup against Man United trying to fit in our quote-unquote big names and those players trot out and give a half-assed performance where we lose 3-1 to one, and they just get to say, oh, well, you know, it was United and they're playing great right now. So, like, I don't – I would rather have – and I struggled with this before the Newcastle game because I told myself I want to see Spurs go out and give a really tough, gritty, we care performance and I don't care if we lose. And then we got that draw, and I still cared, and I was angry. But against United, I don't want to see us go out and throw out a lack a, a big name starting lineup that doesn't care. I don't want another. I, I can't stand those performances. So I would rather see this same lineup get a run out. I think honestly, as much as I'd love to see them get the run out, I don't hold out a whole lot of hope for the game in and of itself, just because that back line could easily get massacred um, if if they're not on their, on top of everything. Um, I think you might end up seeing, I mean, if he made the, the sub out to move Tanganga over to take Sanchez's place so he could start Surge on the right-hand side, that's a super fast right-hand side of your defense, but it's inexperienced with uh, Tanganga on the inside. Um, or if you go three at the back, 
and then uh, let Tanganga or let Surge and Reggie get forward and have your center backs be Rodon Sanchez and Tanganga. Um, that works. There's a couple of ways he would go, but the core of the group that we saw at Villa and at Newcastle, I would rather see start at United. Does that make sense? You're, you're muted, Colin. You're muted, by the way, Colin. <laughs> who comes on? Who, who from our bench wasn't named in the squad on this? You're also very far away from your mic. Sorry. Who comes on this Sunday? Who who replaces uh, who comes off from that 11 that started on Sunday, Chris? That was my question. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sanchez not get the start to get yanked. And possibly Geo. But as far as having Kane and Vinicius up top, I would rather keep that. I would rather have, you know, if you're going to switch stuff up, move Lucas back over and, and let him continue starting on that right-hand side and then bring Sun in on the, uh, on the left because it gives you the ability to just kind of change your lineup around to morph around and play different formations with the same team, I guess is the best thing. Because you can always shift Kane to the middle and let Sun push up the left and Vinicius off to the right. Like, you can always change things around with the same team. But I think Gio probably gives way to somebody. I think Sanchez could. I don't think he will. But, again, uh, Gio is probably your weak link that comes out, if anybody. Austin, same question to you. Um, I think there's two things. Sanchez isn't going to get dropped solely because I don't think we have other options. I think, I, I mean, yeah, you could play a back four with Tanganga and then put Serge in it right back, but there's so much weird drama going on with Serge. I would not expect that. If Serge starts, I would think, Chris, what you said about the back three would be what would happen. And in that case, Geo is getting dropped because you would play Sun, Lucas, and Kane up top. You'd mm-hmm. play like a 5 2 3 with Tongi and, and Hoybeer, and then you'd pay, play Lucas, Sun, and Kane in some weird central attacking three Which, up I mean, top. that lineup sounds pretty good. I'm, I might be kind of happy with that lineup. And I would be fine with that because you would have two attacking fullbacks, but you would have speed with Roden, Sanchez, and Tanganga in the back line to deal with whatever. Um, plus, you'd have two of the three center backs that can win aerial duels. So I would be happy with that. That's a pretty drastic change in formation. I think the more likely approach is that we simply put Sun in for Vinicius with the same exact structure. That Mourinho sees, wow, changing the structure of the lineup really fucked up the game plan. Let's just do the same exact lineup, but Sun's healthy now, so Sun has to play. Sun has to start against United. He's healthy. He has to start. It's it's yeah. as simple as that. You he's a player that gives a shit and gives effort. So if he's if if, if and he's world class, so if he's Fit, he has to play. So I think more likely you see the exact same lineup, but Sun starts for Vinicius, and we just roll with that. If we are going to change anything drastically, I think Geo comes out and we switch to a back three. But um, I wouldn't predict Mourinho doing it. You never know, though, because to win a big game, maybe he does throw a huge curveball. You know, Mourinho likes to throw curveballs every now and then, right? Uh, sometimes it's a Strasbourg. 12 to, you know 12 to 6 and sometimes the hang curveball gets hit over the over the fence 500 feet um hopefully it's not the latter but i would hope that we make small changes and just bring something because i like the back line giving a shit i like geo 
in Hoy Bear, fucking getting stuck in in the midfield, even if Gio's not 100%. Um, and I love Lucas playing that center role, just running at defenses. So and that's probably the biggest thing. Lucas, Hoiberg, and Gio actually give a shit and will go in to make tackles. They'll go in to stop plays. They'll go in to stifle other players. They'll press. Like that's a that's a really really solid. Tongi's been pressing much better too. Yeah, if he's you notice, Tongi's been been pressing like, and defending a lot and getting second. Did you see the moment between him and uh, Jolington? Where Jointon just stopped and kind of threw a bow and kind of like uh, like stopped Nombly's run after he had made the pass and Nombly pushed him back and kind of got scrappy. I love seeing that from Tongi. I love seeing some fire from the drunken master. Like that guy, when he has fire in his belly, he he's that much more dangerous. And I love seeing that. So that's also my big key about Vinicius, about why I like fire. him so much is he will get after a back line and he will impose himself on defenders. He's he will that, go into a shithousery in him. He's got that shithousery in him for sure. So Maybe Lamella, Lamella's kind of, you know, give him a... That's probably Lamella's key role in, man, in in training is just teaching everybody how to shithouse. At, at the end of at practice every week, it's like everyone go to the showers, but you, 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 and you, Lamella's going to teach you some shit. On how gonna, to see, I did not get a yellow card for a shitty tackle. <laughs> All right, let's do, uh, let's do predictions for this game on Sunday. Oh, uh, do we have to? Why? I'll send you first. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, I think this has draw written all over it. I think it'll be like 1-1. One, one. All right, Chris. I was going to say 2-2. Two, two. Oh, okay. But I think it's... um. So we'll be the Newcastle in this matchup. Yeah, I think okay. it's one of those games where... We do throw out a strong lineup that gives a shit, and they scrap back into a game where we go down early. I think I think um, United come in, smell blood in the water, get after us early, and then we fight back. And I like I'll take a fight back draw. Chris, Chris is drunk. I, I see it more as we Chris play great in the Chris, first half, Chris and then they come out in the on, second half. Austin, hold on. Chris literally just said that he thinks they're they're gonna fight back. What what gives you any thought process? Like, what's your thought I think process? It's much more likely the opposite I'm happens, right? Back. We come out in the first I'm half, right. we play I'm, great. My prediction is three one loss. Um, I don't think there's any way we we win this game. Put money on it and show me the wager. Put your money up. Put your money behind it. On a United win? No, on a three one loss. Insane. Put ten that's bucks a, on it. That's that's smart money on a three one. I'm just saying. My bookie doesn't offer uh, scores. Oh, it doesn't. He doesn't offer. Uh, uh, a lot of I will say a lot of my prediction is rooted in hope, like and it's the hope that kills you. But if it's two two, it's definitely going to be where we're the better team in the first half, and then we give it up in the second half. And Martial scores a scrubby goal in the rain in the 90th minute, as is tradition. Yeah, the, the lines aren't out yet, but I'm guessing we're going to be uh, we'll, we'll be the underdogs. I mean, I'm going to put ten on us just in so, case. But yeah, I, I think this is a three one defeat. I think. Um, I don't see how, and I'm not saying United are great, but I don't see how. I don't. I don't. I don't know what Jose's we haven't approach, got a result. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Jose's approach to any game is. I don't know what his tactics are. I, I'm just so lost when I watch Spurs. Neither does anybody I, else. I don't really know what I'm happened. watching, and so well, okay. You, you can only get lucky so often. <laughs> I didn't so think I about this. Think, I think United's too good. So, but Bruno Fernandez against uh, Davinson Sanchez and Joe Rodon 
center back. Well, Hoybier is just going to oh. try to wear him out. Hoybier is yeah. just going to kick the shit out of him all game. Yeah, yeah. I guess going to have to track. Uh, my concern Fernandez is like, like no Ra- my concerns like Rashford and my concerns Rashford. Rashford running in behind those two, and then like them making a stupid mistake in the box. And I, I, I think it's just going to happen. That's and, why I think we start like that's why I would like to see a back three. Hey, Tanganga's put Mane in his pocket before, so maybe Tanganga just comes out and they put Rashford out wide on Tanganga, and Tanganga just puts him in his pocket. It's possible. It could happen. Like, yeah. Anything happens. Not. For God's sakes, Newcastle should not have had a result against us. West Brom just beat Chelsea five two. So anything can happen. It's at, and Everton just keeps sinking down the table. They really do, man. They really, they really just like to. You want, you want that, buy, you want that, though. you want that buyout today for forty bucks or what? Nah, I'll, I'll ride or die right. because maybe it's we collapse right. in oblivion and, and prop them up. It's but, only money. He can't take well, it. <laughs> right, right, man. That's true. Ride it out. I, I, I think mean, just that, ride it out I, at this if, point. If, if, if Everton makes top six, that means we don't. No, I think we can finish fifth. They can finish sixth pretty easily. Yeah. Okay. What? At the end of the season, I think we're going to be fifth or sixth. I don't think. Yeah. So we can finish fifth, and Everton can finish sixth. Why is that so weird? Liverpool and Chelsea. So Liverpool and Chelsea, one of them drop out of the top six. No, or West Ham. Uh, I'm I'm assuming you're counting West Ham, but Liverpool and Chelsea, one of them would be fourth, one would be sixth. Probably maybe Liverpool. Why would you think Liverpool's going to just all of a sudden have this great run? And honestly, I've been telling you about Chelsea. They, this is their easy games. They only have two easy games left, and they have six hard games at the end of the season. They just got destroyed by a relegation team. So okay. what makes you think they're not going to have a collapse? Sounds like you want to double down this bet. No, I'm not I... doubling down on shit because I'm a horrible <laughs> gambler and I always lose money. I hate looking at other people's schedules and trying to say we could do this off you of know, their I, schedule. I don't even waste but, my time doing that because in this in this league and this year it's it's, it's too unpredictable. I mean, you, you were counting three points for us and Chelsea this week, and look, we we ended up gaining a point on them. But like, you just don't know. You can go through and say yeah. we should win this, we shouldn't win this, but you just don't know. You have no idea if that's the so, case. So so that's go, why. Go out, why do you think we're gonna lose three? We could we could win three one against United. Who knows? We could we could, but. I'm not gonna be on air. I'm not gonna be on air saying that. So <laughs> I'm uh, not gonna be recorded saying that. <laughs> but I'm not gonna go that, that's 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 homer that's homerism at its finest. And uh, there's nothing in me that says that we should win this game. But it doesn't mean we doesn't it doesn't mean we won't or no. we can't. So but, and oh, that is when you get a surprise. But I will say, I will say, we have not when the pressure is on, we have not got a single result this season. Yeah. Yes, we beat United and City early in the season, but there was no pressure on those games because there was nothing on the line. We played United what second game of the season. City was playing like shit for the first few games. We have not had a result in a single pressurized environment the entire year. So Colin, you're so right. I am not expecting anything. I'm hopefully saying it'll be a shit one-one draw. That's my yeah, best and, case and here's, scenario. And here's the thing is we're going to have – like we play like pretty late Sunday. We play after West Ham, Leicester, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool. We're going to know. Liverpool. Like we're going to know what this result can mean. So like, just you're means talking about more pressure. Yeah, you're thinking about pressure. Jesus. If, 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 if West Ham plays Leicester, so it's, someone's dropping points there. Um, and then I Chelsea, guarantee you. Here's what's Chelsea play Palace. Chelsea play Palace and Liverpool play Villa. So I'm, I, I don't think – both Imagine if every result goes our way. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what's going to happen. Every result is going to go our way, and it's going to be one of those things where Tottenham wins this one, and they could 
leapfrog and go for like and then it's Kane gets be, a straight red card and is out for three games and and then it's gonna all go to shit or worst case scenario Loris gets a straight red card and or you know hey how games. about he uh, allows a goal while falling backwards and breaking his arm how about that? All right, all right. All right. We're, oh, we're Jesus too, Christ. Way too much negativity is speaking uh, this into existence. Your 3 1 prediction uh, loss yeah, started all this, Colin. Yeah. That's just me being honest, guys. If you can't handle my honesty, <laughs> then we have bigger issues. But that's just me being honest. I'm never going to lie to you guys. I, I feel a 3 1 loss on Sunday. Uh, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that we record next week and uh, I'll, I'll eat crow and I'll say, wow, Mourinho's a mastermind. I can't believe he played three at the back like Chris had predicted, but. Uh, or five at the back, but I don't I don't see it happening. So I will say uh, this season overall has been the most Spurs season I have ever watched. Yeah. We have literally we started this season by re-signing Gareth Bale, something we've all dreamed about. By Christmas we were top of the table. Two months later we were mid-table. Then we're knocked out of the Europa League. <laughs> And now we're, we're fighting. We're knocking on Champions League spaces, baby. Yeah, we're knocked out. Of, we're out of the fourth. We're out of fourth, but still have a cup final to play. Like well, this it, you, you missed a step. We're knocked out of Europa League by a coach who was in jail at the time. Of the yes, by a by a coach who was in jail, giving his tactics. Guys, guys I hope you have very little expectations for that final. That's oh, all I'm saying. Like, I hope on. you're. I hope you're just in, able to drink heavily. <laughs> and have and have very low expectations because oh I'm gonna I'm just gonna let my wife go on like a, go shopping all day baby because oh, I don't I'm want not, you around me I'm going to a bar I'm going in public um, oh, you know. so I'm so I'm not drinking alone <laughs> um, but hey guys so, Colin, my wife actually told me she said we can go to a bar for that final you'll both be vaccinated I get I get my second dose on Sunday she's like we'll both or Friday we'll both be vaccinated we can go to a bar for that final and I looked at her and I was like that's really sweet of you. But I don't know if I want to be in public. I need to go. I mean, but maybe you do. At the end of the, alone and watch we, gotta get, we, we gotta get out of here. But at the end of the day, it is a final, and so we should be proud of that. We should go to a bar, wear your wear your wear your bail shirt, um, and then wear it in pride when you walk back to your car after we lose three zero. Um, but that's still 20, 20 days away. So um, let's let's a lot of, a lot of football to play before then. The real problem is Manchester United on Sunday. Let's see what we can do. Um, this is huge. Three points here. West Ham is going to probably drop points against Leicester. And if not, then Leicester drop points. And, and then Leicester kind of fall back into that category of fighting. Oh, it gets real tight. It gets so, real tight. Uh, interesting results uh, could go our way this weekend. And then we have a, a big match on Sunday. But as always, uh, Kalani Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. The end of these shows always have the most questionable come on, you Spurs. <laughs> 